0: Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today I'm here to talk to you about what's normal and what's not normal in training. I think this is going to be a great conversation because if we're in a new training cycle you don't know what you don't know, right? That's such a saying. And it's so true. And I also think that a lot of social media posts and reels and just, you know, the highlight reel that is social media really doesn't dive into some of the pieces of training where things just aren't normal. And there are ways to flow through it. There are ways to correct it. So we'll I'll talk about that today, Um, and it's going to be a really, really great episode. Before we get to it, if you're looking to run strong, confident, and you're ready to tackle the race in course and distance that you've been training for, you have the training, you have the fitness, you have the endurance for this race. If that's something you want, you can absolutely have it. You can have anything you put your mind to, but <laughs> you can have it with the personalized programming and communication from a coach. That's without personalized programming and communication from a coach. Elevate your running beginner and intermediate standard plans are now available in the base phase 5K, 10K, half and marathon distance at elevateyourrunning.com/slash work with us slash standard plans. These plans are constructed with the Elevate coaching philosophy, my coaching philosophy, and proven workouts that other Elevate athletes have ran. They have achieved results while running strong, happy, and confident. It's a (laughs) win-win. Each plan contains a downloadable run terminology guide, nutrition and fueling guide, and a race day planner sheet. It's the pro coaching you want for less than a 12-pack of your favorite running gels. So that's an investment of less than a 12-pack of your favorite running gels. That's crucial. That's huge, right? Save 20% with code ELEVATE20 at checkout at elevateyourrunning.com slash work with us. Now, let's get going. We definitely have some training and podcasting to do. So you might be training and listening to this episode at the same time. You might be doing yard work. You might be driving maybe you're cooking dinner, who knows, but I'm glad that you're here. Um, I think this is going to be a really great episode, um, to talk about because it does feel like if you're in a new training cycle or you're at a point where maybe your training has up-leveled and you don't really know what's, what's normal, what's not normal. And I tend to fall as an athlete who I would consider, um, You know, I'm not a beginner. I've been doing this for a while. I coach athletes around this. I still kind of get caught up in just training. And sometimes I forget, like, oh, yeah, like my training is increasing, my mileage is increasing. So, like, I get to do extra things when that happens. Like, sometimes it's really easy to forget about it because maybe you've been in base phase for a while. Maybe this is your first training cycle. I'm going to be sharing some of my stories from my first marathon training cycle to kind of help you feel uh, seen, heard, validated, but also they're funny. And, um, and I think it's just a really good place to me t- to be knowing that we are all human. We all do these things, even coaches. And it's incredible when you really lean in and, work on these things, like how much stronger of an athlete you are, but then also like you learn so much about yourself as an athlete. It's a huge, huge win. Sometimes I get in my own way with it because I almost like put myself in a box saying, I can't do that because this is how I need to do it because this is how I'm going to set myself up for success. But it does come into play, uh, often. And it's, it's a cool, it's a cool place to be when you grow, you elevate, you learn more about yourself as a human and as an athlete, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what life is mostly about. Right. And, um, and it's a, it's a great place to be feeling empowered. Right. Okay. So every training cycle and every athlete is different. You are all different. We are all different. And even as the same athlete, you're going to grow throughout training cycles. Your training cycles are going to be different. So you're going to need and get to shift things around. So that's the first thing to know. The second thing is that this is not geared towards marathon training specifically. This is geared towards just training because I'm a big believer that these pillars that I'm talking about today are, they could be applied to the 5k, the 10k, the 10 miler, the half, the full, the ultra, maybe you're training for a one mile race. I ran a one mile race on the 4th of July. And I was texting with a friend the day before, and he's like, Oh, you know, what are you doing on the holiday? And I'm like, Oh, I'm running a one mile race. And he's like, Oh, you mean a 10 mile race? And I'm like, no, I have been training for a one mile race. How cool is that? And I was still running 55 miles a week. I still had two workouts, right? So just because the race distance is shorter, doesn't mean that the training cycle is any less intense or different. Now it can definitely look different, but it doesn't need to. And I think sometimes too, those intense workouts actually take more out of you um, than like marathon pace workouts but everyone is different. So I really thrive in those longer tempo sessions. I love them. And it's something I can get very comfortable in as long as I'm feeling like pretty good. And, um, it's like that short, high intense stuff that is really outside of my wheelhouse. And I know I shared this on the podcast with, uh, it was an episode with Austin and talking about how like sick I felt after my first, like set of like, you know, 200 workout or something. Cause it was just so different and so intense. And you're using, you know, recruiting, like your fast twitch muscle fibers and like, it's just different. Right. I'm sure summer had something to do with it too. But if, um, if you are listening to this episode in real time, we are in the summer months and we're eight weeks out from the Chicago marathon or Chicago marathon weekend, you could be running the 5k that weekend, 10 weeks out from the Indianapolis 5K half and full marathon, 12 weeks out from the New York City marathon, and then 16 weeks out from CIM or the California International Marathon. There's also Marine Corps in there. There's um, the Philadelphia half and full marathon weekend. And I'm sure there's dozens of other local runner runs and race weekends like happening, but those are kind of like the big ones that I think a lot of athletes our training for right now. So we, you know, develop and grow as a human and in, as an athlete and understand what's normal and what's not normal with our bodies, our minds and our training. So over the weekend, um, I had scheduled a run with my friend, Mary Lee in Denver. She was gracious enough all summer long to come up to Boulder and run with me. And she lives in Denver and, Um, she went back to school. So it was a great opportunity for me to return the favor and meet her um, in Denver for a long run. And and it was also a great opportunity to run on some flat terrain in Boulder. It's very, um, you're either running up or down, basically rolling hills or just inclines. So um, it's really, really nice to get some flat running. And the day before my teammate and friend Charlotte had asked what I was doing on Sunday. And, you know, shared with her I'd be in Denver. It'd be great for her to run with us. We're all very similar runners. Charlotte lives pretty close to Mary Lee, like it was all gonna work out. Well, then Mary Lee's husband said, like, I'd love to join you for some recovery miles. And he's going for like sub 230 at Chicago. And we're, you know, probably running like 930 pace, which is a great recovery pace for where the three of us are and arguably for Billy too, in some ways. Um, and then we ended up running into our friend and athlete Matt in the park. So he circled back with us and joined us too. And it was a really, really fun cup filled impromptu spontaneous group run, which felt really good. If you follow me on Instagram or know me, like There's a lot of group runs happening this summer and they're all pre-planned and like it or not, doesn't matter what mood, what the weather's like, got to get it done, right? So it was really fun to see this type of run just kind of like start out in a very like intimate, let's run 10 miles together merrily. And it turned into like this big friend group and it was just really good vibes. So Um, I thought it was interesting though, because Charlotte asked, how do you know when to push and how do you know when to pull as an athlete or back off as an athlete? And I think this came from, maybe we were talking about our workouts the week before and I had a terrible workout and, um, like terrible from the start. I felt terrible. I was off pace considerably. And it's like, when do you know when to push through that? And when do you know, like you need to back off because you're doing more harm? So we kind of gave our thoughts and suggestions on that. Mary also a running coach and, um, and she's a running coach through relentless runners. We're actually co-hosting. This is a side note, co-hosting, um, something in Chicago together. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everyone's going to be welcome to join. It's going to be great. And um, you know, Marilyn and I definitely offered Charlotte our suggestions, but also knowing like everyone's so different, and it kind of has to come from within. And as a coach, I find that so true. It's like I have to trust the athletes when they say, you know, I felt like crap, but I pushed through this, and hoping you know they didn't dig themselves into a hole. I have to do that with myself, like to we two weekends ago in a workout that just didn't feel good. And I'm like, this is great. I'm going to be running 30 seconds slower per mile and putting in like hard half marathon effort and not dig myself in a hole versus the athletes who say I needed to stop. I could not push through this. It was going to do more harm than good. It's like, okay, that's great. That's also a dangerous, slippery slope too. Cause there is a lot of mindset running, right? Mindset fitness that goes into something like that. And like, how do you flow through the uncomfortable? Um, but everyone's so different that everyone's going to show up a little bit differently. And it really does have to come from within. So today we're, I am talking about some key pillars of training and what to look for. What is normal? What is not normal and some guidelines, best practices. I also If you don't know this yet, I'm going to say it now. Like I love giving actual hands-on tips, things you can apply in your training because I feel like it's so great to reflect on what Austin and I share each week and even in this episode of where you are in your training. But I also feel like it's so important for you to have some actionable tools that you can use right now today to set yourself up for success and feel good about it. So let's jump in. The first pillar we are talking about today is having soreness and niggles. So, what is normal with general soreness, slash, you know, niggles? I don't think anything's really normal with niggles, but, and what's not normal? So, general muscle aches are so common with athletes, and most athletes kind of should have general. Uh, muscle aches to some extent, right? Like the more we train, the more training cycles we stack, the less achy our muscles are. But if you are new to the sport, if you're new to a distance, or maybe your mileage is increasing because with every training cycle, we should be stressing something a little bit differently to get the most out of us. Otherwise we plateau as athletes. Um, You will have general muscle aches especially after a workout or a long run, because those two days or those two training runs are specifically designed around fatigue and higher efforts. And you should have that general muscle ache post-workout or a long run. So if you have workout Wednesday, long run Saturday, your Thursday and Sunday recovery days might feel quite a bit slower. Your legs might feel heavier. This is totally normal it's totally okay. It's taking the recovery pace slow, like a jog, like a shuffle. And while still having good running form, I think that's something over the last few weeks I've noticed I've been saying, um, because I've seen athletes just out there, like, you know, easy run, but their running form is really poor because they're just, you know, it's like a different kind of feeling. Right. Um, but having a really good running form, really strong running form while you're running your recovery runs are still critical. It's essential. Um, but those days are going to be harder and that's okay. If you can jog, if you can shuffle out there while still have a good running form, like you will be able to recover faster. And, um, it's also a really big mindset wind because it is harder to get out there on those days. Right? So that's all normal. If your aches are lasting more than a couple weeks, if you have sharp or shooting pain, if you have soreness that's kind of getting in the way of living your life before you were training, highly recommend uh, dialing back training um, because that's too much, right? The sharp shooting pain specifically, if you have that while running, stop immediately. It's not worth pushing through. If you have a niggle that increasingly gets worse throughout a run, stop your run, take time to rest, take days off. Um, before you even get into a training cycle, I highly recommend having a sports doctor, a sports chiropractor, a PT, a running specialist PT in your phone, ready to go, uh, to book appointments as needed. Oftentimes, um, after I've gone through cycles of dealing with a lot of niggles and having to, you know, get a lot of appointments or have a lot of appointments with PTs to work on. <laughs> we worked on a lot of strengthening exercises. Um, it's an, it's really important to do that prehab work too, right? Of getting getting in the way before it gets in the way, right? So getting it done, getting your mobility done, getting your strength done before it becomes an issue. But I also know as You know, I've been there before too. It's like going into a training cycle for the first time or a training cycle that's like more intense than what you're used to. It's like you don't know what you don't know. And oftentimes it just comes down to if there is a niggle, if there is something that's lasting more than a few weeks on end, um, which is just general like muscle aches, if you have sharper shooting pain, like absolutely get into a PT and just have them evaluate you. They're most likely going to give you exercises. And I know a lot of people think it's like, oh, it's just one more thing to add to the plate, but really it's so good. And it's stuff that you should be doing. And oftentimes when I see athletes kind of go through this and they might need to take extra recovery days, they might need to add new strength or mobility Two very different things, by the way, strength and mobility, to their training, it's the universe's way of like showing them this was something they needed all along. And it was just, it's coming into their life now and it's something they get to work through. It's something that they continue to add into their training after they get healthy again. And it's something that's going to move the needle. So, um, (laughs) with my first marathon prep, I had a series of races that I was racing, um, before CIM. And I think I got, I don't really know what happened. It's like races just kind of popped up. I think I had a half marathon on the schedule with my sister. We had CIM on the calendar and then the Lululemon 10k popped up. I ran a Denver 5k run to support, um, a friend at the blue shoe run in Denver. And so I was running a 5K, I was running a half, a 10K, and then the marathon distance. And as I say that out loud, that's actually kind of interesting because as my prep for CIM for this fall, I'm doing the exact same thing. I have, I might, I may or may not have a 10K. No one's gonna really know. I'm not even gonna know until the day before. Um, but I am racing a 5k and a half before going into CIM. But what happened throughout that first training cycle was that my mileage increased. I was running six days a week. I added, I was supposed to be doing strength. I didn't really know what I would, you know, what's like good form. What am I doing? Like all these things I was under fueling a hundred percent. I was overrunning my easy days a hundred percent. Um, And it came to a point where I was running the Moab half and I actually like, uh stra- strained my hamstring. And it was a hillier course. Um I was running flat for most of CIM training, which is actually kind of um <laughs> it's kind of interesting now to look back on because CIM is not a flat course, but Denver is very flat. And um I needed to get I needed PT appointments throughout the last six weeks of training to get to CIM healthy or to get to CIM and run That's <laughs> basically what I needed to do. And I think oftentimes that happens with a lot of first-time athletes going through a new training cycle. If that's the half or the full, I've seen it in my athletes who are going through their first marathon or their first half and like the aches and pains and kind of everything that kind of comes with it. So know that like the general muscle aches are super common, that's normal. But if it lasts a long period of time, if you never have a day that feels really good or good, you have sharper shooting pain in your run or your soreness is getting in the way of living your life. Like, That's not normal. So seeing and getting a sports PT or running specialist PT, sports doc, sports Cairo on your side, on your team, get referrals from friends, your running community, um, Google, read reviews, really do your research on this because it is an important piece to it. And I think what's really cool too is like, yes, they're going to give you all these exercises to do. And yes, it's going to be one more thing on your plate. But when I look back over the last five years of my evolution with running, those are all the same exercises I am doing today. And knock on wood, I have not seen my sports doctor in a long time. I had one or two visits during Boston training for a tight um, post Tib muscle that was running down to my ankle, so I was having ankle pain, but it was something that I knew could be fixed easily. It was something that I could stretch and um really kind of shift and flow through on my own at home. And it was something that I wasn't worried about. But we joked. and I actually saw him this summer at um at like a social event, and he jokes with me about, like how often I was in his office when I was training for my first marathon. and since then of like, my body getting used to training, getting used to mileage, adding two days a week of uh, resistance or um, it's essentially Pilates on a reformer, reformer Pilates and one full 60 minute str- heavy strength with three days of like 20 to 30 minutes of mobility, which are like the resistance band type workouts how much of that game changer that's been because I can hold very high mileage weeks, knock on wood again, like feeling good. Right. So that's kind of the evolution I want you to think about of like, whether you're in a first cycle or you're in your fourth or fifth, or maybe you're in your 10th year of running, like look back to where you started and know it's only going to get better. But a lot of times the work has to get put in as well. So soreness and niggles definitely the first key pillar of training. Um, everyone's going to have it, but you want to make sure that you fall in that normal category more than the not. Um, one last thing to mention with this is niggles are never a good thing to run through. Um, unless you know your body well enough to know that it's something that maybe you've experienced before, you know how to handle it and you know how to flow through it healthy. Kind of like I did with my tight post tib. um, with causing ankle pain. It's something I knew I could handle. And it was something that I did handle and it was fine. But like running through that in my first marathon prep probably would have turned into a disaster because I wouldn't know how to handle it. I didn't have the tools on how to flow through it. And that's something that you get to kind of check in with yourself on how you're doing on those things. And it's, I think, two with running through niggles, I always think about like, well, what's the upside of running through a niggle? not a whole lot. there's really nothing because at the end of the day if you are training consistent and you are training hard, taking one to three days off, which is typically all a niggle needs to get better is good recovery time and that's going to help you become stronger on race day and you're not going to lose any fitness at all. It takes weeks to lose fitness. so, Um, so know that, and I hope that gives you a little sense of peace. The next time you have a niggle pop up, just take the rest day. Um, because I think we've all been there too, where we know people, or maybe we've been there. I think we all go through it at some point I did in my twenties. Like you run through a niggle, it turns into a full blown injury, and then you're out for weeks or months on end. Um, I had a terrible, um, it was a hip flexor, um, inflammation of in my hip flexor. And it was terrible. And I refused to stop moving and working out. This was when I was like 25 and it turned into such a terrible fiasco that like I had to lift my leg just to get in my car. Cause I couldn't lift it. I was in so much pain. And I ended up needing to take months off from movement. Um, and then the universe tested me again, about five years later, and it was uh tendonitis on the other, it was on the other leg. Um, but it was basically the same thing. I didn't sit still. I didn't, you know, I went through a series of PT, like just trying to figure out what it was. So that was part of it, but I also wasn't sitting still. And it took me six months to flow through that six months of no running, very little walking. And it was basically like anytime I moved my knee or my leg, i.e. walking, it was putting like fuel on a fire and it was awful. So um, that's not a place that I think any of us want to be. So niggles can turn into huge issues. Listen to yourself, listen to your body. Running will be there tomorrow. Um, So when we are stacking our training cycles, our life stress, our training stress, the weather, it can all play a factor on how we are showing up right now, specifically this summer and how hot it's been, right? So it can definitely change throughout the year and as you are an athlete too. So just keep that in mind. Every training cycle is going to be different. How you show up, how the muscle aches, the soreness, the fatigue, all of that shows up is going to be different. Um, Address them head on as they pop up. So finding that local PT now, having someone close to your home or work, someone you trust, a referral source, if they specialize in running, that's a huge bonus and get into them now because most likely they'll evaluate you and see some things, some imbalances that need to be improved now that are going to help you. So you don't get to that point of needing to take time off. Um, Then you also want to give yourself grace and know that you're just getting started and it takes time to build a really strong and resilient body. And the more training you do, not like more is more, but like the more bricks you stack, the more training cycles you build on in a safe and healthy manner, the stronger you'll be. And the more your body's going to be able to take post run stretching is huge. And it's something I don't think any of us do enough of myself included. Um, So those static stretches are important. Mobility is crucial. I said earlier, strength and mobility, very different. Strength in my mind comes from the form of lifting heavier weights. Now it can also come from body weights, right? Mobility in my mind is more of like getting the gears loose and fresh, right? So like glue bridges, shells, cat cows monster walks maybe a little bit of like planks or some core work just to get everything loose again leg overs are great they're awesome hip openers hip circles just to get the the hips the back maybe it's the lower back the upper back the glutes the hips just kind of loosened up maybe calf raises fall in mobility I guess there's maybe a little overlap too, between strength and mobility, but the strength side I see is like heavier lifting. Maybe you're doing resistance Pilates or Pilates like on a reformer. Um, Maybe you're in the gym and it's like, you know, squatting just the bar or squatting the bar with like a little bit of weight, something like that. It all helps. Fun fact I kind of like this all kind of came together over the weekend when I was talking to Mary Lee and her husband. He was talking about cramping in the marathon and how he had been cramping in the marathon, but felt like his nutrition and hydration was like dialed. And really, he said what it came down to was like incorporating strength training to make sure that his hamstrings are and his glutes were strong enough to endure. Typically it happens in the last 10K of the race, right? So I thought that was really interesting because one, I've had athletes cramp and, and two, um know that their hydration, their nutrition's dialed. Now, sometimes it can happen from not eating enough carbs or carbohydrates while running, but typically it happens more because that heavier strength isn't part of their routine. So if you found yourself, if you found yourself in the past cramping in a marathon, um, or cramping in a race. And it's specifically like hamstring related, no calf related, glute rate related. Like it's all part of adding heavier strength to your routine. One day a week is really all you need to get started. Epsom salt baths are also great. Um, 20 minutes is all you need. Hydrate like crazy. The magnesium and the salts will drain you and dehydrate you. So that's going to be something to think about. And then let's see. Our next pillar is fatigue. General marathon fatigue is normal. General training fatigue is normal. But what and when does it turn into that's not normal? Well, unfortunately, it all kind of depends on how we who we are as athletes. It depends on us individually. Um But if you feel like you're always tired, if your true, true, easy pace is feeling harder than it should, that means recovery pace, shuffle, jog, on flat terrain, in the coolest temperatures of the day and it's still feeling harder than it should, or if you're bonking in all of your long runs, um, that could be a sign that your fatigue levels are not normal. And that's a very scary place to be as an athlete. So women tend to have more fatigue issues than men. Sorry, ladies, I also fall into this category A lot of it is determined with your iron and ferritin levels. So getting those checked, getting those um, evaluated either before a marathon prep or just a marathon prep, um, or I'm sorry, before any training prep is crucial. Um, Or I think it's a really good data point to have and then checking it like halfway through to see where you are. Incorporating iron, iron rich foods specifically, if you know that this is kind of a thing that that you deal with is something that i have always needed to work on um i have very low iron and ferritin levels and so it's kind of a double whammy of always feeling tired um and i know it's due to that so taking supplements definitely helps but first and foremost getting your blood drawn getting it checked by your doctor or inside tracker will help you determine where you are and where you need to be and then how to bridge that gap to get there. Um, So that could be one thing. And men can also have this too. I don't want to discount that. Other ways to um, align with fatigue is making sure that your sleep is dialed. And this is going to be so hard for so many people listening. I get it. We have 87,000 things to do every single day, whether you are an athlete training high mileage, you're in base training, you have a family, you volunteer, you run your own business, you um, travel frequently like there's so many different things that are part of life that we get to experience, which is so awesome. And it feels like sleep is always the first thing to go, but really it's the most important thing in our schedule, especially as athletes. So sleep really is the number one recovery tool while you're sleeping, your body's working really, really hard to repair itself, which is awesome. Um, So you really want to try to get as much sleep as you can. Everyone's going to be different on how much they need, but typically athletes need anywhere between seven to nine hours of sleep. And it's a really great place to be. I tend to fall into, I can have a few weeks of like getting six and a half to seven. And then all of a sudden I have a really bad workout (laughs) and I'm tired (laughs) and my iron levels are low. So (laughs) my ferritin levels are low. It's like a triple whammy, right? Um, and then when I have that eight hours, it feels so good. And that's a place that you want to be because it really can help you bridge the gap and get you through training healthy, which is a key, key, key piece. So unwinding at night is super helpful. Um, and just making sure that the lights are dim, maybe turning off the computer, TV, phone, before going to bed and giving yourself time to kind of unwind from the light itself, playing like meditation or sleep music is great too. And those are ways to set yourself up for success. If you have a rest day, most of us do during the week, taking that time to sleep in and knowing that you really are making gains by doing that. And like, I am such a to-do list person. I have lists, I love crossing things off my list. I get anxious when I have long lists of things that I get to do. And so I get it. And I understand that sometimes waking up and getting things off the list is going to feel better. But if you're chronically under sleeping and tired, that is going to wear on you probably greater than the anxiety around a long running get to list. Right. Um, The other things to check in on are your mileage. Like how quickly did you jump up in mileage or jump into your mileage? How many quality sessions are you having a week? One quality session or workout a week is enough for 95% of athletes. I know it's really easy to look at what everyone's doing on Instagram or on Strava and think you should be doing that too, but really no. If you're working with a coach, they know what's best for you. If you feel like your coach is giving you too much, it is a partnership and it's a really good opportunity for you to have a conversation about what's working, what's not working for you and like how you feel most supported and set up for success. But beating around the bush and hiding it or not wanting to talk about it is only going to hurt you, the athlete in the end. Um, really taking into account the mileage and making sure that you're not jumping up too fast, too soon. Typically it's, uh, training blocks or two or three weeks at a time with one down week. And it's okay to go two up, one down three up, one down, or maybe it's a combo of both kind of depending on what's going on in life, how you're showing up. If you're getting sick, if you're traveling and all the things, right life stress plays a huge piece into running fatigue or just overall fatigue while training so evaluate where you are how is work stress how is your family stress maybe it's financial stress you have the training stress there's a lot of stress right um so evaluate where you are with that and how you could reduce stress in your life if you can because your body only knows stress so if you're getting And applying training stress, that's awesome. But if you have a lot of other stress going on in your life, your body doesn't know the difference and it's all the same. And that can show up in workouts, in long runs, and really how you recover. So if you're not recovering well, you're not hitting pace in workouts, there's probably too much stress going on. And it's for a good way for you to be honest with yourself about what's really happening in life. And what's happening in training and how to dial it back. And it could be in both areas. It could be in one area. Nutrition is also a huge piece to the fatigue area. What's normal? What's not normal? Nutrition. Are you supporting your training with proper nutrition? What does that look like? Well, that's going to look so different for everyone. I'm so sorry, but it is general rules or guidelines around nutrition is adding more carbohydrates to your diet, right? Um, Also making sure that you're bulking more of your fueling around the time of the day that you're running and making sure that you're fueling and eating while running, especially those workouts, big believer in that. Um, Also the long run. So fun fact for me I did a really awesome job of fueling workouts for many training cycles and did a very poor job of fueling the long run for many training cycles. And I've really dialed in the long run, which feels great. And as I'm coaching this summer in person and I'm talking to athletes virtually uh, online, I'm asking about fueling during workouts. And not that many people are doing it. What does it look like? I'm hoping that by the time this podcast airs, I have a post up around this, but what it looks like is an example is I had a 10 mile run two weeks ago, how you want to set yourself up for success on a workout like that. I had a three mile warm up. I had four miles at tempo. I had three minute recovery. I had two miles at threshold. I had a mile and change for the cool down. In between the warm up and the first tempo set, I had drills, stretches, strides, shoe change. So I had time, right? So I woke up. I had my breakfast. I. Had that maybe about 60 to 90 minutes before I started my warm-up. I warmed up three miles, which took about 30 minutes with the bathroom break, 30 minutes. I ate a pack of scratch energy chews with caffeine, 50 milligrams of caffeine. I then went up to the field and stretched, drilled, strided out, changed shoes, which took another 20 to 25 minutes. At that point, I was getting into a 4-mile tempo. I took a hydration bottle with with electrolytes in it, and I took one Spring Energy gel of Awesome Sauce, 180 calories. My plan was to take it 2 miles into the 4-mile tempo. So at mile 2, I took the gel and then ran back to my car where we were going to wait for the 3-minute standing rest before getting into the 2-mile threshold. So while we were standing for the three minutes, I took another gel. It was a hundred calories. It was the cranberry spring energy. And I knew it could get me through two miles. And I think of it as more of like, how is this calorie in carbohydrate content getting me through what I need? Right. So I had three gels over the course of 10 miles to set me up for success. Now everyone's going to be different. I also had a little bit in my bottle of electrolytes, but I didn't end up drinking that much that day until after we were done running um, until the cool down. And then I drank a ton, but, um, but that all plays a huge piece in your overall fatigue. I've had athletes say this it's happened to me before. Like if, not like it's happened to me before I've applied this and this has worked. If you fuel and eat well during your long runs and your workouts. The rest of the day, you should have more energy. So if you feel like you're getting in that energy slump midday, three o'clock, four o'clock, and you worked out in the morning, it probably has more to do with under fueling and not giving your body enough food than anything else, unless you're sleeping only four hours a night, um, which hopefully no one's doing. So those are going to be things that all impact fatigue and knowing that normal training fatigue is normal. But if you are always feeling tired, your true easy paces feel harder than they should. If you're bonking in every long run, if you're slumping and bonking in the afternoons, you are probably overly fatigued and that's not normal. Next pillar. Hunger and mood, which kind of great segue, right? Hunger and mood. The more miles that you run, the more fuel you're going to need, the more calories, the more food you get to eat. And I realize sometimes, like, this conversation is triggering for people. So if you want to skip the next five minutes, feel free to do that. But it is an important conversation, and it is something that I feel like needs to be talked about and it's not something that i want to hide from it's not something that i want to skip over because it is a sensitive topic for people i think everything that we talk about is sensitive right i feel like especially in this 2023 like you can't not offend someone these days with whatever you're talking about so i want to talk about this i think it's important so if it's something that doesn't align with you just skip ahead hunger and mood if you are starving, if you are hungry all the time, you need more fuel. This also correlates to fatigue and not hitting paces in workouts and not hitting paces in long runs or racing. Well, honestly, like it can be the hunger and like the mood piece to it. You're just under fueled. It is something that I am always having to work at it is something that annoys me to no end I find it draining to have to track my food and figure out what I'm eating and meal prep and pick out new like recipes to make it is like the one thing I just I really don't like about running as much as I do even though I love grocery shopping, absolutely love it. So if you need someone to do your grocery shopping, that's not Amazon, let me know. Um, I absolutely love it. But the whole other piece to it is like very, it's like just not, not my deal, not my thing. But I also love to eat. I tend to snack throughout the day. And I think a lot of that comes from having busy days, running or coaching at night. Like there's just a lot that goes into that. Um, But I also do love snacking. And that's not great when you're running high mileage because you really do need to have quality meals. So know that what's normal is your hunger and mood stay the same. What's not normal is your hunger levels or your mood changing at all. If it feels like it has changed at all, that's not normal. And that's something to really lean into asap. It's something that you can't let get away from you. It is probably out of all the things that we're talking about today, I feel like if you're under fueling and running a lot and you're crabby or you're moody, it's probably the fastest way to get injured or to burn out. hands down. So Know that you could also fall in this category if you do not feel hungry, like I do. Most times I don't realize I'm doing it. And I know that sounds weird because I do eat all the time, but like, and I'm not one of those people to skip meals, but, or skip snacks in my case. But I know like when I'm doing heat training and I'm running during the day and I'm coming back after being outside for 80 minutes, like I'm not hungry. Right. Right. But this summer, I've been setting myself up for success by eating cold foods. So I'm eating cereal before I'm going out for a run. Multi grain Cheerios are awesome, they digest well. They have great carbohydrates, good energy. Um, and then I'll come back and I'll drink like a smoothie or a core power protein shake, or maybe it's two pieces of toast um, with the shake, right? You always want to have that three to one carb to protein kind of ratio. Um, so know that you could fall in this category if you don't feel hungry, but if you do notice that your mood's shifting and you are more irritable or crabby, and there really isn't anything else in life kind of changing that that's probably under fueling. So you do want to have more nutrition bulked around the time of day that you're running and your workouts, and then specifically your long runs, those two days you want to be just eating and consuming more overall because not only are those mileage days probably higher, but the intensity is higher. So you're burning more calories. Now, if you're adding strength into your program as well, that's going to be another add in that you need to account for and making sure that you f- you're fueling enough, um, for that strength, co- strength training component, fueling and hydration on your training runs is going to be huge. We talked about this all summer long gelling well gel often, um, th- every three to four miles, hydrate with your electrolytes, take your hand held out on every single run. You really want to focus in on carbohydrates. If you are in a big, heavy training cycle, um, sports dietitian, Kelsey has this amazing infographic that she posted. I think it was the week of gosh, it was gosh, the week of this week, maybe on Monday, the 14th. And August 14th. If you need to go back and look at it, but it's an awesome infographic on her performance plates. I've talked about performance plates, but we haven't talked in maybe in great detail about them. They're essentially plates that you create and adjust the portions to match your training needs. I love these for my, the nights before my workouts and long runs, right? Those are the critical nights for me. You want to choose a carb, a protein, fat, and color. And then based on easy, moderate, or hard training is how your plate changes. So I'm looking at her infographic now. And just because you might have one quality workout, if you're running over 40 miles a week or over eight hours of training weekly, or you have some training days with like lifting, know that you're going to fall in the hard training category. Easy is zero to 15 miles or 30 minutes or less of activity per day. 15 to 40 miles is the moderate. So definitely take a look at this infographic. It's super helpful, but it does show not just what your plate should look like, depending on what type of training cycle you're in, and also the types of foods that you can add. And then it's kind of cool because you could just pick one, from each column and make your plate or make your bowl. It's so easy and I think that's the coolest piece to it is that it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. And when I say that to you, I also say that to myself. It doesn't need to be overly complicated. Um but I think too part of meal prepping is like also wanting to eat the food later on, right? That's such a huge piece to it. So, recapping this key pillar, if your hunger or mood changes, that's not normal. If it stays the same and you feel like you're thriving, hooray, that's normal. That's great. So lastly, I want to talk about motivation as a key pillar. And I think this is a really big one. Like what is normal and what is not normal in trading with motivation? I think what's normal is that we're all going to have days where we don't want to run. But if it starts to snowball into three or four days at a time, you're really grumpy and don't want to do it. You're having a hard time lacing up your, your laces. You're also not making time in your schedule. I'm a big believer that we make the time for things that are important to us. So if you're not making time, I'd probably reevaluate the why behind that, but um, So, know that we all go through days where we don't want to get out the door. I have had those days 100%. It happens. The last month of heat training hasn't been that fun. It's been okay. It's actually been better than I thought. But there are days where I'm like, oh gosh, it's so warm and I'm going to go do this. Okay, let's go. After I ran my spring marathon, I was supposed to have almost two weeks off from running. And it ended up being only six days because the pace that I ended up running wasn't the pace that we thought I was going to run and it was significantly slower. So kind of the theory behind that was that, yeah, I still ran a marathon. Yeah, it was still hard. And also like my body can get back to running fast, like sooner because it didn't go into the hole as much as we thought it was going to. But mentally I had already told myself and prepared myself that I was going to have these like 12 days off. And so I love running. So when my coach texted to say like, Hey, I updated your week, like running, you know, training starts Sunday or whatever it was. Um, I was on one hand excited, but then on the other hand, I was like, Oh, but I had all these great things. It would have been nice to like just do other things, right? Or not get up and run. And I also know the weather was really crappy that week too, and that doesn't help at all when your body feels awful after a marathon and then the weather isn't great on top of it. So, um, so my motivation that week was a low, but I still got out the door. I still did it because ultimately I love running. I love training. I want to be the best version of myself at the end of all of this and in all ways. So. I made it happen. And it wasn't something that I was, that I knew was going to be a problem. Right. I think it's hard to know where that balance is, but if you are stringing today, like stringing days and days together of like low motivation, you don't want to get out the door. You don't want to run with friends. You don't want to run solo or listen to a kick-ass like playlist, then something's probably wrong. And That's not normal. And I shouldn't say wrong. It just means like that's where you are right now. And that training gets to pull back. That's it. Because you're probably burnt out. And it could be from one of these other things going sideways that didn't get handled in the manner it needed to get handled. And we've all been there. There's no shame around that. We've all been there. This podcast is is designed to really help you see things, hopefully, before you're in it. So you can apply the tools and remember what the conversation was, or go back and re-listen to remind yourself of, oh, yeah, that's what I can do. And I can be a student of the sport and learn more. A lot of it is being self-aware and know that no one's perfect. I fall into this category all the time. I like just training's a lot and there's a lot going on on top of it and there's always I feel like something kind of like falling through the cracks with it, right It's like oh yeah I have I get to do that again like I get to like be really focused in on maybe it's my nutrition or my gels or whatever so that's okay the motivation can really derive and come from like, Is your training too hard? Have you had too much over the course of the last year or the last training cycles? Have you taken time off? I'm reconnecting with an athlete that I coached for over a year, reconnecting with her today, and she took the summer off and it was awesome. I know it was awesome because she worked really, really hard when we were partnered together. And she was working really, really hard before we started working together. And she's going in to run the Boston Marathon next spring. And I think she knew she needed this summer to just do what she wanted to do and not have structure. Now, she's still like as consistent as they come. So I think she was still running like almost every day, right? But she didn't have the workout. She didn't have the quality. And I think that's great because our bodies and minds do need that break, right? We all do. It's just a matter of having an off season and what that off season looks like for you. I'm pushing a bit hard right now because I feel like I'm in this window of time where I don't have a lot of time to waste based on like my age, how long I've been training. And when I'm probably going to like max out, right. And that's kind of a weird place to be. You just don't know. So I'm forging ahead and just trying to like, keep it rolling and doing what I can do um, to continue to make it fun. um, Make sure I still enjoy it. Make sure it's still filling my cup and that I'm still getting faster because that's my goal. I guess running faster is the secondary goal. Running happy is definitely the first and making sure that's, that's really dialed. Um, So looking at the off season, that's going to be a big piece to it. So if your motivation wanes here and there, no, that's, that's normal. But if it is something that is off pattern for you, if it's happening days on end, if you feel like maybe you raced and you have like the post-race blues you know, taking a step back from running and just taking time to either invest in other hobbies or take time off of a structure or take time off of workouts is really going to help you. And ultimately, you're the only one that's going to know that. If you're partnered with the coach, there are things that we can see that might tell us that there's something going on there, but Ultimately, it does have to come from the athlete and the athlete seeing it and knowing it and communicating it. And lastly, although this is not a key pillar, maybe it should be. <laughs> I I started this episode talking about um, kind of the social media aspect to training. And um, I saw a story that someone had posted about how tough training can be at this point in the cycle, if you're running something in October, right? Cause you're really in the thick of it. And it's so true. And she was talking about how it's like not realistic to see these reels being created of people going out for a casual long run and like everything's prepped and ready to go. Here's my cute outfit. Here's all my gels. Here's my hydration. Look, I'm running marathon goal pace and taking a video at the same time. And all this stuff and putting a reel together about how great their long run was. And I'm not discounting those athletes because I think, and I know athletes that do this, that that is kind of how they show up for long runs and that's awesome, but that's not everyone. And I think it's really easy to get caught up into that comparison or that comparison of how many workouts are you doing this week compared to everyone else or what does the quality, what's the quantity of the workouts going on? Hopefully we have Austin back next week. Cause I really cannot wait to ask him about his workouts for his prep. And if you're following him, I think, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. It's wild, but it's also like, I think it's pretty spot on for like wh- what I know he's trying to do. Um, but it's like 1% of athletes are doing the type of workouts he's doing, right? It's not the norm. It shouldn't be the norm. Um, Oftentimes it's less is more for training cycles in some ways. Um, As long as the foundation's there. But I also just want to make sure like that social media kind of component is it definitely normalizes the non-normal, if that makes sense. And I think it's really easy to get caught up in it. So if you're in that space, you know, giving yourself grace and really just going back to you and thinking about how far you've come in this process, how far you get to go in this process and also know that like you're doing great because you're you and you're showing up and you're getting uncomfortable and you're setting goals And you're doing hard things. And that's a really cool place to be because there's so much growth and opportunity that can come from that mindset. It's not going to be linear. Absolutely nothing is, Um, but it is a really awesome place to be. So I hope you can see that in lieu of the comparison game on Instagram or Strava and all the things and know that like what you're doing is incredible. It's great. You're going to have awesome results from it. And you get to be really proud of that. So that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to follow me or the Elevate Your Running brand on social media, we're on Instagram and threads at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H, runs HAPPY, and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, a great week. And, you know, I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. If you have anything that has fallen in the not normal category and how you flowed through it, or if you want to pat yourself on the back and say, Hey, I'm in the normal category for all these key pillars. Congratulations. I'd love to hear that too. You can send a DM or email at Sarah at Thanks everyone. Have a great week.